Welcome to Talking Human Rights. I'm Heather Robertson-Gaston, here with a special bonus update episode on Yemen with our guest, the truly incredible Kate Gould, Legislative Director for Middle East Policy at the Friends Committee on National Legislation. Kate has been rated one of DC's top lobbyists and has been profiled by Congressional Quarterly for her work in gaining congressional support for the Iran nuclear deal. Now she is making a real push to end US support for the truly horrific war and blockade currently being waged against the Yemeni people, primarily by Saudi Arabia, which has caused the worst humanitarian disaster on the planet today, with millions of people on the brink of starvation. The good news is we are starting to see some really great headway on this issue, hence the need for an update. So there's a ton of background that we cover in episode one to explain how this war started and how the United States got involved. And I really urge you to listen to that. Um, but in case you didn't, or in case it's been a minute since you did, we're talking about a war that has been going on since 2015, when Saudi Arabia launched an attack on Yemen to reinstall a leader called President Hadi. Now, who is Hadi? Well, Hadi was the vice president of Yemen's ruler of 30 years, President Saleh, who the Yemenis tried very hard to get rid of and in fact did oust in their own Arab Spring in 2011. Saleh was known for his incredible brutality towards his people and towards his opponents, and also for taking millions of dollars from Saudi Arabia and later the United States while leaving Yemen the poorest country in the Middle East. So the Yemenis launched what they call the Revolution of Dignity to get rid of him. They succeed, but before they get to chart a new path for themselves, in swoops Saudi to negotiate a settlement which guarantees Saleh immunity in exchange for stepping down and handing power to his deputy, Hadi. This is how we get President Hadi. This is followed by a national dialogue conference. Hadi's term is extended by another year and new federal boundaries are drawn. This is when a militant group called the Houthis in 2014 come down from their base in the north take over the capital city of Sana'a and force Hadi to resign, after which Hadi flees to Saudi. After Hadi flees, Saudi intervenes in March of 2015 with an air war and then a devastating blockade, all of this with U.S. support. But Kate's actually really good at drawing back to what's really important here, and this is it. Yemen is the largest humanitarian crisis on the planet. More people are starving there than anywhere else on Earth. The U.S. arguably has more power to save millions of human beings' lives in Yemen than they do anywhere else on the planet. So that alone should make it an issue everyone pays attention to. But even if that's not enough for you, <laughs> then it's important to note how this has global consequences because these arms that were, you know, in, in Saudi Arabia is our number one client for these arms, that that has a global impact. This is a way that we can actually get Congress to start paying attention and scrutinizing not just arms sales to Saudi Arabia, but to dictatorships and strongmen around the world. So it's mid-February now, the 116th Congress is seated and has started to make some real moves. And it looks like this enormous effort to get Congress to step in and stop U.S. support of the war in Yemen is really starting to pay off. So welcome, Kate. So the last time we spoke in November of 2018, we were talking about bills in the House and Senate invoking the War Powers Resolution of 1973 to end U.S. support of the Saudi-led war in Yemen. The Senate bill did finally pass in the last Congress, 
but the House bill did not come to a vote. And as you explained to me very hopefully, the bill has to pass in the House and Senate in the same Congress. You also predicted at the time that we would have a new raft of legislation in the 116th Congress. And you were right. It sounds like this time the House has taken the first step with a war powers resolution bill. And um, I'd love to hear you talk about what is going on with that. Great. Well, so good to be back, Heather. And that's right. We actually have something to celebrate. So on February 13th, the House passed historic piece of legislation. So this is Congressman Ro Khanna's legislation to end U.S. military participation in the Saudi-led war in Yemen. And as you mentioned, the legislation does invoke the War Powers Resolution. It actually uses the War Powers Resolution of 1973 and enforces it and says, hey, look, this is a war that has never been authorized by Congress, and therefore we can move forward this legislation, we can get it through the House, and we can also force a vote in the Senate. So this is very rare. I mean, I think a lot of your listeners will know that often you hear about bills passing one chamber, but they're not even going to be brought up in the other chamber. Uh, so they might pass the House, they're not going to be brought up in the Senate. But in this case, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell doesn't actually have a choice about whether this gets to a vote in the Senate. It has to get to a vote in the Senate because of the War Powers Resolution, a law that requires that when there are these cases where the U.S. is involved in certain ways in a war, then Congress can say, okay, we're going to take action, we're going to enforce the War Powers Resolution and force a vote on ending U.S. military participation in that war. So that's what happened in the House when we saw this legislation pass. And it's so exciting. It was so exciting to see because this is legislation, you know, Congressman Ro Khanna brought this up two years ago. Um, he's brought up, this is the fourth version of his bill. <laughs> and uh, and he's been trying to get a vote on it all this time. Um, and there have been a lot of people who've been weighing in and trying to get support for it. And finally, it passed in a vote of 248 to one. So a clear majority of members of Congress had to take a stand and they said, yes, we support ending U.S. military complicity in this war. And now it's going to go to the Senate. We expect the Senate to vote within the coming days and weeks. And then if we do get it passed in the Senate, if we get just 51 votes, that's what's required when we were talking about war powers legislation, then it will be sent to the president. And if we get that far, that'll mean it's the first time war powers legislation has been sent to the president's desk since 1973. So since the Vietnam War era, uh, this will be the first time that we've actually seen Congress use the War Powers Resolution. And that is why we saw that when this was debated on the floor, and it was a really um, incredible debate to watch, I'd recommend people look at the transcript online. And, and we saw that Chairman Engel of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, the top Democrat um, from the House Foreign Affairs Committee uh, from uh, New York, he said on that day, on that floor, he said, today is the day that Congress begins to take back its jurisdiction over war and peace. For time after time and year after year, administration after administration, Congress after Congress, the Congress has re relinquished its responsibility given to us by the Constitution. So the, the Senate bill, when it passed in December, the, the bill that was um, sponsored by uh, Bernie Sanders, Mike Lee, and Chris Murphy, it passed with 56 votes in December of 2018. So in the last Congress, 
And what I believe you said the last time I spoke to you is that 51 of those mm -hmm. senators that voted for it have returned. So mm -hmm. is there any worry that um, they won't all vote how they did last time. We are not taking any vote for granted. It's really important that people do call their senators and urge them to support the uh, Sanders-Lee Murphy legislation to end U.S. involvement in the war in Yemen. That is really important because, as you mentioned, yes, there are 51 senators that have returned that did vote for a very similar version of this legislation in December of last year. So it wasn't long ago, but the Trump administration is working very hard to try to flip some of those votes. So they are really, they're especially, of course, going after Republican senators that did vote with us before, and they're trying to flip their votes. And that would be really, I mean, devastating because, you know, there are only more reasons to vote against this war with every passing day. I mean, really with every passing hour, with every passing 10 minutes, when every 10 minutes, another child under the age of five will die from cholera or other preventable diseases that are really caused by this war. The situation has gravely deteriorated. 12 million people are on the brink of starving to death. So there are only more, more reasons to vote against this war, but there's a lot more pressure on senators to flip, especially when, you know, because last time when the Senate passed this, they knew that Speaker Ryan was going to block it. Now it's a different scenario because they know that it already passed the House. And so if it passes the Senate, it will go to the president's desk and that'll make history. That'll set an, you know, a very important precedent where Congress is finally reasserting itself on these matters of war and peace and on, on human rights. So we're going to be working really hard to make sure that, that we have those 51 votes and really be pushing for more than 51, too, um, because every single senator that we have on record here, every single vote sends the message to the Saudi-led coalition that there is no way out of this but through a diplomatic solution. There is no way to continue a military option because the U.S. is just not going to be there for that. Their writing is on the wall. Congress is going to cut off support. And that's the message that we have to send. Okay, I want to break in really quick and remind everyone, you are listening to Talking Human Rights. I'm Heather Robertson-Gaston. This is our special bonus episode about Yemen and how to stop U.S. involvement in the Saudi-led war there. Um, our guest is Kate Gould, Legislative Director for Middle East Policy for the Friends Committee on National Legislation. Kate has really been at the forefront of efforts to get Congress to step in and get the United States out of this war. If you're not familiar with the Friends Committee on National Legislation, that's the Quaker lobby. And if you're interested in getting involved with peace and justice issues, they are an excellent place to start. And you don't have to be a Quaker to join up. The FCNL has been um, a fantastic lobby for peace and justice since 1943. And they actually have more peace lobbyists in Washington, D.C. than anyone else. They've also done a really wonderful thing and set up a number that you can call to urge your senator to back the legislation invoking the War Powers Resolution to end the war in Yemen. I actually called the number. It's 1-833-STOP-WAR. And I called it. And what happens is a voice picks up and it thanks you for helping to stop the war in Yemen. It reminds you of the bill number and what to say. And then you put in your zip code and you're off to the races. They just connect you. They connect you with one senator. You leave your message there and then they connect you with the next one. So the whole thing takes like five or 10 minutes. It's pretty great. So Kate, you, you've said that it's very expected that Trump will veto the bills after they do land on his desk. A point that you've made is that this legislation still does impact what he does, even if he does veto the bill. So what are you thinking about that now? Mm -hmm. 
this legislation has enormous potential to impact the situation on the ground and to press the Saudi-led coalition to agree to a diplomatic solution, to press them to stop this indiscriminate killing, and to pressure the Trump administration to stop this unconditional support for the Saudis. So we've already seen that actually happen. We've already seen the Trump administration influenced by congressional action. So for example, last year, even before the Senate vote in November of last year, we saw the Trump administration decide to stop refueling, to stop U.S. midair refueling of Saudi bombers as they decimated Yemeni hospitals and schools and neighborhoods. So um, the U.S. had been, ever since March of 2015, providing that kind of fuel supply. So when the Saudi bombers would run out of fuel, they would just fly to, in you know, further up in, in Yemeni airspace, they, but they would fly higher up and they would get refueled by um, a an enormous U.S. tanker. So basically it's like a, you know, we, we ran these gas stations in the sky for the Saudis and they then they could just continue raining down bombs. They wouldn't even have to ground and, and get refueled that way. It wouldn't interrupt the pace of their airstrikes so much. So that ended because of congressional outrage. I mean, that's very clear, you know, that that's what happened there. And then in December, when the Senate really took this historic action, then we saw the Stockholm Agreement, this this major breakthrough in the Yemeni peace talks. So this is a UN-led peace process. And we have even had, you know, Jake Sullivan, who recently testified before the House Foreign Affairs Committee, and he's a former national security official. He worked in the Obama administration, and he talked about about how he even said, I believe that the threat to reduce or curtail our aid has over time made the coalition make different and in my view, more constructive decisions. At the end of last year, they were more likely to enter the Stockholm Agreement because of what the Senate did. Um, you know, an earlier CENTCOM withheld certain provisions of various types of technologies and it changed their calculus as respect to Hadata, meaning it changed their calculus about whether or not to take over, militarily take over the vital port of Hadata where 70% of Yemen's food and other supplies come through, which would have led to just, you know, biblical levels of, of famine. I mean, just historic levels of famine. So um, things are bad in Yemen, but they actually could be much, much worse if it hadn't been for congressional action. So that's the first thing I would just say is that that often when you see major policy decisions change, it's not because a law was passed. It's because there was the pressure to change uh, for the administration to really um, change their conduct. And we've seen that in this case and, and also even change the conduct of the the Saudis in relation to the um, the peace talks and and this conflict. So we, if we if we get this out of both houses, I mean that'll send an unprecedented signal to the Saudis and to the whole Saudi-led coalition, the Yemeni government, that there is only a diplomatic path forward. They they have to negotiate this. They have to figure this out at the negotiating table because the U.S. is not going to continue unconditional support for the war. So that's extremely important and. That is why there is so, you know, people say, oh, well, it doesn't matter if it's going to be, well, 
look at how aggressively the Trump administration is lobbying to try to stop this. Look at how aggressively Saudi-funded lobbyists are lobbying to try to stop this. I mean, they know that it does matter. And that's why they put enormous resources into trying to get Congress to change their position, to support the war. But while they have money on their side, we and they have tremendous amount of, of clout and access and all that, but we have, we have people. We have people across the country that don't want our country to be complicit in the in these horrors. So say you have a senator that is incredibly supportive of this kind of bill or who, who voted in favor of the bill the last time um, when it was Senate Joint Resolution 54. So you, you think that they're supportive. You think that they're just you're not worried about them at all. But like, do, do you go ahead and call them anyway? And then and what do you do if you have a senator who you think is not so concerned with invoking the War Powers Resolution to end U.S. support of the war in Yemen? How do you how do you handle those conversations and do you make those calls? Mm-hmm. You do make those calls and you call whoever is your senator. So if you were, if you do have a senator who's already supportive, who already voted the right way, then actually there's another step that they can take, which is to co-sponsor the legislation. So um, co-sponsors is... It, it, co-sponsorship means is that you're signing up to vote for it. So you're publicly saying, I've already made my decision. I'm voting for it. And um, people can ask their, their senators, if they're already supportive, to sign on as co-sponsors. That's one thing they can do. But let's say they're already co-sponsors. It's still good to call and to thank them. And, you know, let's say your senator is Senator Bernie Sanders or Chris Murphy or Mike Lee. It's good to thank them because they want to know about that too. Um, the Senate offices are tracking what they get thank yous for, what people care about. It will impact like how much of their time um, is spent on a certain issue if they have the the impression that constituents actually care about this issue. And it's something where they'll even tell their um, their fellow senators. And you saw this a lot during the, uh, on social media, you know, during various healthcare debates is that senators would tell other senators, you know, they, they would, they would talk to the media about how, look, I'm getting, you know, 500 calls to one, um, on this issue. And, and so it, it's something where, um, they can cite, it, it's a, it's a factoid. It's an important factoid that they can cite to talk about where public opinion is. And we were talking earlier about how opinion polls, you know, we often have the case where opinion polls show that Americans may support something or oppose something that is um, quite a different story in in the D.C. political sphere. And, you know, and, and so Americans may overwhelmingly oppose, for example, and generally do oppose a lot of these wars overseas and, and U.S. military, you know, expansion. But, but often these polls aren't really paid attention to. The polls that people do pay attention to, the polls that members of Congress do pay attention to, are the polls that are conducted in their office every day. Um, when they have staff that are tracking how many calls they get in a certain issue, that is their way of tracking or how many emails they get in a certain issue or how many letters to the editor. That's our way of tracking, you know, how many people care about this issue? Do people care about this issue? What kinds of reasons do people give for caring about the issue? And that all matters. If you have a member of Congress who is um, very much opposed, 
Well, when it comes to this issue, we've actually seen a lot of conversion experiences. There have been a number of members of Congress that have come a long way and have ultimately uh, supported us in this. And, you know, one example is Senator Lindsey Graham. I mean, he's been the um, one of the most staunch advocates in support of fueling this war and support of U.S. military participation in the war. And he's expressed openness uh, on how you know he's he's not sure how he's going to vote yet he's he's told the media that and he has recently signed on to a bill that would actually restrict arms sales to Saudi Arabia and and as he's described himself I mean he's been one of the most you know the, the staunchest defenders of the Saudi regime and of US military support for it and now he's saying we need to hold Saudi Arabia accountable so things can change members of congress can change their positions and they uh, one one factor that's often and really key for that is knowing where their constituents are. So something that you have explained to me previously is that as great as this war powers resolution bill could be, arms sales are not included with it. So I remember there's a piece of legislation that has been introduced by Jim McGovern ending arms sales. And I think you have a couple of other pieces of legislation that we were we were maybe going to talk about. But um, how are things going on that end? Well, right now, of course, Congress has been focused on the war powers legislation, and we have too. But we are we are gearing up for a a big showdown over arms sales as well, and we have the HR six four three is the legislation offered by Congressman McGovern, and they do have let's see he he has I think twenty some co sponsors twenty three co sponsors so it's great to see him racking up co sponsors uh, one's just signed on the other day so this is legislation that would end U S security assistance to Saudi Arabia, and it would stop arms sales. So it's it's far-reaching legislation, and we are very supportive of it. Um, and it is something now that your House reps have already voted on the war powers legislation, this is the next thing that House reps can do is to co-sponsor H.R. 643 to end arms sales and security assistance to Saudi Arabia. Now, there's also legislation in the Senate S-398, the Saudi Arabia Accountability and Yemen Act of 2019. It was introduced by ranking member Senator Bob Menendez, and it has bipartisan support. I was mentioning that Lindsey Graham um, has supported it and uh, a number of other senators have as well. So it, it was introduced, um, the, the two main co-leads are Senator Menendez and Senator Todd Young. Um, and so this is legislation... I'll just read all the names, actually. Menendez, Young, Reed, Graham, Shaheen, Collins, and Murphy introduced the Saudi Arabia Accountability in Yemen bill on February 7th. So this is uh, legislation, you know, broadly bipartisan legislation to hold Saudi Arabia accountable for the murder of Jamal Khashoggi and for its role in the devastating war in Yemen. So it... This legislation would cut off bomb sales for two years, and it would also do a number of other things in the bill. But that's uh, that's a key provision that we're uh, that we definitely want to see move forward. So senators can co-sponsor that as well, and 
we and then there's also legislation to end funding for refueling of Saudi-led coalition aircraft. Um, now I mentioned that the Trump administration has already cut that off, but they could turn it on on a dime. Uh, it's just it was just a presidential decision, so it's not part of U.S. law. Whereas we want to make sure that it's part of U.S. law, so the Trump administration cannot turn in a dime and turn that back on. We have a number of different opportunities here, but the point is. You know, Congress is piling on and there's just more and more momentum to end all U.S. military involvement in this horrific war and the largest humanitarian crisis in the world. Okay, thank you so much, Kate. Thank you for being here. Um, That concludes our update on Yemen and all of the work happening right now to get the U.S. Congress to step in and stop the U.S.'s involvement in the Saudi-led war there. There's a whole lot to do, and we mentioned a number to call. That's 1-833-STOP-WAR. They make it so easy for you, really, truly. It's like, just dial the number, and it couldn't be simpler. But if you care about this issue, this is the kind of thing you want to get on quickly because this vote could come up very, very soon. We'll do our best to keep you updated. Until next time, this has been Talking Human Rights. My name is Heather Robertson Gaston. Our guest has been Kate Gould, Legislative Director for Middle East Policy for the Friends Committee on National Legislation. Our assistant producer and editor is Sibet Parti. You can find us on the web at www.talkinghumanrights.com. Thanks for tuning in.